Hello, everyone. This is Ron Stiver, President of System Clinical Services. Hope that you're all doing well wherever you are uh, and whenever you're listening to this. It's been a while, so we're excited to be here today with our first podcast for 2020. And we're very fortunate to have a good friend of mine, Dr. John Fitzgerald, who's also Senior Vice President of Population Health with us. You've hopefully read lately that SCS and population health and health plans and community health recently came together, which I think is a great thing. I think it creates lots of opportunities for improved coordination to deliver great care and, and great affordable care. So I thought it'd be great to spend some time with Dr. Fitzgerald today, learn about population health and what we're doing. So John, thanks a bunch for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Ron. I'm delighted to be here and part of the system clinical services group and look forward to having a nice conversation about population health. So as, as folks have listened before, they know we typically start off with an icebreaker and I'll ask the same one to you. When you were 10 years old, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be the center fielder for the Boston Red Sox and follow in that line of Ted Williams and Carl Yastrzemski as Hall of Fame outfielders for for the Bo Sox. So kind of out there by the green monster. Another thing we have in common, except I want to be second baseman for the Chicago Cubs and follow Ryan Sandberg and those folks too. So I know you're a lifelong Red Sox fan. And uh, as a Cubs fan, I used to commiserate more with you, but after your three championships and, and, and R1, at least we've knocked out a couple of curses. From wanting to be center field to the Red Sox to being a physician, talk about that transition, what led you to the field of medicine? Well, when I realized I couldn't hit the curveball, <laughs> I abandoned my baseball aspirations. But I played a lot of sports growing up and was seemingly often injured, broken bones and sprains, uh, etc. Had me in the emergency department and in the office of uh, orthopedic surgeons fairly regularly. And it was that time in which I was intrigued by practice of medicine, or at least orthopedics and orthopedic surgery. My mom was also a nurse, and I gravitated towards some of her nursing books on anatomy and physiology, and that sort of piqued my interest in medicine. And from there, I pursued a science degree at Notre Dame and then eventually to medical school. I gave up the orthopedic surgery because the next aspiration was I wanted to be the team physician for the Boston Red Sox. But it took about 30 minutes in the OR for me to decide that I was not cut out to be a surgeon. And so I moved on to internal medicine. Internal medicine, practicing physician, leader of IMG primary care, then the architect and, and founder and led the growth of what's now the largest physician group in the state of Indiana, IUHP, and then to senior vice president of population health. And so yeah, I think even when I know you as the leader of uh, Indiana University Health Physicians, you, you seem to really have even a passion for population health in that area and probably dates maybe back to even your, your experiences as a practicing physician. What led you to population health? I started my career on the faculty of the medical school as a health services researcher. And the subject of my research had to do with the delivery of care, the financing of that care and its implications on outcomes and quality and costs. And though I continued to practice, I realized that if one could design and manage the delivery of care better uh, in, a, in a systems approach, you could affect a far greater number of patients than I could as an individual practicing physician. So that is in part what motivated me to get into this area. We talk about population health 
obviously off and you live it day to day and I'm increasingly living it day to day. And I find when I talk to people outside of IU Health or people who aren't as involved day to day, people have different interpretations of what population health is and so forth. So how would you kind of describe to the broader IU Health audience, what is population health? Population health management means the proactive application of various strategies and interventions across the continuum of care to a defined group or groups of people uh, in an effort to improve the care, improve the health of the individuals within that group at the lowest necessary cost. In that definition, there's three or four really critical operative concepts. The first is proactive application. We don't wait for people to come to our offices, like historically medicine, physicians, hospitals, that's the way they've operated. We reach out and make sure we engage every individual in the group of patients for whom we're responsible, whether they show up of their own volition or not. A second important concept is the continuum of care, the full continuum of care. Uh, we're not focused on just what happens in the doctor's office or just what happens in the hospital or in the nursing home. We focus on the entire continuum, soup to nuts, uh, in an effort to improve health and lower costs. When we talk about groups and our vernacular, it means those patients for whom IU Health has financial risk. You can define groups in other ways, but in our world, that's who we mean. So today, that includes patients who are covered by IU Health plans, whether they be another employer or our own family, our own employees, as well as patients who are attributed to our accountable care organization that currently contracts with Medicare. Uh, all told, that's uh, round numbers, 135 to 150,000 individuals, which as you and I know, we aspire to make the number of those patients in our, in our group uh, larger. And then really the last important term is um, while we're trying to improve the health of individuals, it's at the lowest necessary cost. Mm -hmm. And I think in today's world, given that you know, the most common cause of bankruptcy for individuals and families is healthcare expenses that they cannot afford, it is unethical not to consider costs in how we provide care. So we're looking to provide the care that's necessary, the care that's, that is shown, the evidence is shown to be effective and, uh, and eliminate the care that is unnecessary, which may be as much as a third of, of what we deliver today. So, you know, I think actually a lot of people are probably surprised that even that number of 135,000 that we actually have that many, which we accept full risk for. And like you said, I think that number is going to continue to grow. And, and I think you hit on that it resonates with me. I mean, there's, there's very much a mission aspect to this, it feels like, too, right? If you read our mission statement, this feels like a more you know, truer fulfillment of that mission of improving the health of the patients and communities we serve. Looking back, John, and what would your observations be as to our history on this? What, what, what are some of the successes we've had? What are some missteps along the way in, in key learnings as you look back as to our journey on population health thus far? Part of my response reflects my own personal biases as a physician. Okay. Duly so, noted. <laughs> uh, I think one of our mistakes is we've not engaged the physician groups enough uh, in, in this journey. They're the ones that control decisions on what 
what care to deliver, uh, by and large. Certainly the majority of the decisions physicians make that, that affect care, care delivery. You touched upon engaging our physicians, getting buy-in there, and so certainly that's going to be a critical component moving forward. As you, as you think about 2020 and beyond here, you know, over the next couple of years, or have you, what, what are other priorities you see us focusing on? So I th think a couple of things. Uh, first, we have to segment our populations. And, you know, currently, you know, I, I would say we have two distinct, dif distinctly different populations within our, our population. There's the Medicare segment. Whether they be covered by a Medicare Advantage plan or those are attributed to our ACO. And then we have our populations uh, of co commercial, what I'll call, uh, employees of various employers, our own employees as well as others. If you look at the Medicare population, one of our one of the things we have to do a better job of, and we'll continue to double down on it in 2020, is improve uh, the care of patients with chronic diseases, especially multiple chronic diseases. We have far too many individuals that are admitted to the hospital or go to the emergency department for exacerbations of their heart failure, their obstructive pulmonary disease, their diabetes, or all three in some instances. So we have to do a much better job there. It is going to require more focus by both primary and specialty care physicians, as well as wrapping other services, uh, educational services, disease management, care manager services, around the care that those patients receive. The second thing that we have to do is start, and this would apply also to the commercial population, is move care, more care, to lower cost settings. Mm. We know that there's many systems already are providing services that we perform in the hospital they're doing it at home and so moving things out of the our historical or traditional venues to lower costs where we can provide high quality care and still capture great outcomes but at a much lower lower cost then i guess re related to that it's things like remote monitoring and I, and I know you're doing a great job in, in some of the uh, telepsych and got a heart failure program, a lot of the telehealth consultations and visits, all that is part of trying to move care to a lower, lower cost set, setting and, imp and improve access. So those are some of the, the key priorities we have going forward in 2020. Certainly have to keep us busy, but I think some really exciting opportunities, too, as we look at different models to deliver care in the home, different primary care models to take care of these segments of populations as well, too. And we really are at kind of an inflection point in an exciting time to help really transform not only our system, but the larger industry. Uh, right. Yeah. We have talked to many other groups across the country, and it's become pretty clear that it's really hard to have optimal success, at least at a primary care level, when your practice consists of a traditional fee-for-service practice where reimbursement is made on how productive one is in terms of RVUs generated, uh, and mixing that with a, a risk-based population where what you're trying to do is reduce costs. And so experimenting with delivery models of care where you may have a practice that's devoted exclusively 
uh, to patients for whom we're taking risk. It's easier to align incentives that way and, and make sure that incentives at the health system and that has with respect to its payer is consistent with the incentives that the physicians also have. So, Jen, I know that the work of the population health team and, and, our, and, and those that you work with as well, our physician groups, I mean, really, that work touches on all our values because you take a step back and you think about the work that you and the team are doing. Does any value maybe resonate more so than the others? I, I think you could make an argument that our work encompasses all of the, our four values. However, the one to me that stands out the most is team. Yeah. This takes all hands on deck to do it right, whether it's the person answering the phone or greeting the patient at the front desk to the physician and, and other uh, health professionals and all points in between. Everybody has to be working in the same direction, rowing the boat in the same direction for us to be successful. And most importantly, patients to get the best care, the best outcomes at the lowest necessary cost. Well said. Well, John, I just want to thank you again for being here today, talking to our team members and, and just to thank you and the team for the great work that you're doing every day. Uh, I want to thank also everyone for taking the time to listen. And thank you for all that you're doing to care for our patients. Hopefully you share the excitement that I do, the work that our population health team and others are doing. And as always, I'd ask you to provide any feedback on the podcast. And if you have ideas or suggestions for future guests or topics, feel free to email me at rstiver at iuhealth.org. And we'll look forward to connecting at our next podcast.